Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello and welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. And this is our June Tidbits of Terror episode. Spencer, play that funky music. Tidbits of Terror, Terror, Tidbits, Tidbits of Terror, Terror, Tidbits, Rawr, 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 Rawr. Thank you, EGOT winner Carrie Weeder, for our Tidbits of Terror jingle. Another thing to add to your resume. On this Tidbits episode, we have Rob Zombie movie news. We talk about what we've been watching, and I have a rebuttal from our trivia episode. (laughs) Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Plus, we've got some Mike Flanagan news, and we're finally going to talk about the Netflix series Behind Her Eyes. So to quote the Beastie Boys, kick it. All right. This is not news to anyone by now. Everyone knows this news, but I'm going to talk about it anyways because I'm a huge Rob Zombie fan, and I'm super excited for his announcement that he made. By now, you've all heard that Rob Zombie has officially confirmed that he has been chosen to write and direct a feature film based on the TV sitcom The Munsters, which ran from 1964 to 1966. If you've never seen the show... It's about a family of friendly monsters who relocate from Transylvania to an American suburb. It's basically a satire about European immigrants adjusting to life in an American suburb, and the series reflected shifts in the societal and political landscapes of its time. It starred Fred Gwynn as Herman Munster, uh, although you may know him as Judd from the original Pet Cemetery. Rest in peace, buddy. He's awesome. Uh, it also starred Yvonne DiCarlo as Lily Munster, his wife. Al Lewis as Grandpa. Beverly Owen as Marilyn Munster, but only for 15 episodes. She was later replaced by Pat Priest, who played Marilyn in 57 episodes. She was the um, odd one of the family because <laughs> she was blonde hair, blue eyed, and didn't look like a monster. And then there was Butch Patrick who played Herman and Lily's werewolf son, Eddie. So all the characters in the show were inspired by Universal Studios' classic lineup of monster movies. And it's no secret to any Rob Zombie fan that he is a longtime fan of the Munsters. We all know his song, Dragula, which was named after the Munsters' dragster that was built from a coffin. And he has often spoken about his love for the series. And... Last week on Instagram, he posted, quote, attention, boils and ghouls. The rumors are true. My next film project will be the one I've been chasing for 20 years. The Munsters. Stay tuned for exciting details as things progress. End quote. Since that initial post, he's been keeping us posted on the project, and he even posted a video of him driving the Munsters coach with Butch Patrick, who, as I said, played Eddie Munster in the TV series. Then on Monday the 15th, he posted that he was flying to Hungary to begin location scouting for the Munsters. And um, as of this morning, when I checked his Instagram feed, he had some pictures and videos from places he's been scouting in Budapest, and it looks creepy and beautiful. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with this. And like many fans of both Rob Zombie and the Munsters, or maybe you're just a fan of one or the other, 
we probably have a lot of questions <laughs> and we're going to be speculating a lot on what zombies version of the monsters is going to look like. Uh, for one, is it going to be color or black and white? The original TV show was black and white. Is he going to stay with that style or is he going to modernize it and colorize it? So I don't know. Um, I'm sure whatever he decides to do will be great though. Unlike most people, I'm, I think I'm probably more of like the minority because I love almost like all of his films. I mean, I don't think there's a film that's bad. I definitely have like films that I like more than some of his other ones, but I don't hate any of his films. And I know a lot of people really don't like his work, but whatever. I have a little comment about that that I'll get to later, but continue. Oh, I mean, you can bring it up now if you want. Well, I just, I can't even begin to comprehend what this is going to look like, (laughs) honestly. Um, But I think it's exciting. But about Rob Zombie, I mean, I'm not, as you know, Sharon, you know, I'm not as big a fan of of him as you are, but... I, I'm sorry, you got to respect the guy, whether you like him or not. He has talent and he's, he, he knows his shit, right? So like it, good, way to bring something original to Hollywood at the very least. He has a vision for sure. So anyway, I'll elaborate later, but yeah, I mean, love him or hate him. You can't deny the fact that the dude is talented. Well, yeah, yeah. Let me say it Thank again. You. My throat just, I just went through <laughs> puberty when I said that. So love him or hate him, you can't deny that the guy is talented. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, And I know you do like The Devil's Rejects, and you're also a fan of House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, I think your love kind of ends with those two films, though. No, Um, no. Funny enough, I really like Lords of Salem, which is like one of your least favorites of his. But that is my least favorite. Again, we'll put a pin in that. Continue. So, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, kind of on the same line of discussion, is the film going to be lighthearted like the original TV show was, or is it going to be brutal and bizarre like many of his films are? And I I say brutal and bizarre in like the best way, you know, that's not a slight (laughs) at all because I love his films, obviously. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm curious if he's going to maybe like blend the two or how he's going to handle that because I know fans of the original Munsters are probably going to want it to be fairly lighthearted. But maybe he can do it so that the themes are lighthearted, but there's, um, you know, like the, the sets and the costumes are a lot darker than the original TV series. I'm fairly certain that anybody who watched the original series like as a young person meaning that no offense to older folks out there I mean my mom likes a few Rob Zombie movies and she just turned 70 but like I have a feeling that most people who watch the original series as children will not be happy about this news (laughs) at all or they're like who's the Rob Zombie one of the two yeah I, I mean who knows like how many people who watched it at the time in the 60s are going to watch this at all or even know who Rob Zombie is. Right, But, right. like, people like me who grew up watching the Munsters in syndication on, like, I don't know, Nick at Night or wherever, you know, it used to play. Um, but I grew up watching it in the 80s. Right, so, right, yeah. And 
it was one of the things along with Scooby-Doo and the Addams Family that kind of like helped foster my love of horror. It was horror light, mm-hmm. you know, so ah, we'll see. Um, horror for kids. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. Um, and we are going to be doing an upcoming episode about the history of Scooby-Doo, speaking of horror for kids, because that actually kind of has a fascinating history of why it was made. And it was made simply because of the way the times were changing in the 60s. People didn't really want like Ozzie and Harriet and Leave it to Beaver anymore. People were slowly being introduced to the darker sides of life and were craving it. And that's kind of where Scooby-Doo got its start. But uh- that's... I'll save that discussion for when we do that episode. Okay. Yeah. Put a pin in that. That sounds like a good discussion. Um, but also, you know, the cast, that's another thing that we we don't know entirely. We do know, according to Murphy's multiverse, that Sherry Moon Zombie is going to be taking the role of Lily Munster. Obviously, she's been in all of his movies, so we know she was probably going to play that role. Um, And also, Three from Hell and Lords of Salem star Jeff Daniel Phillips is said to play Herman Munster. It's not official on IMDb. Um, I don't think Rob Zombie has officially come out and said it, but that is basically what people are saying now. Uh, Also, Richard Brake, who played Doomhead from his movie 31, is supposed to be in it. Dan Roebuck from The Devil's Rejects, um, or as you may know him as Samson from the movie The River's Edge, that movie um, from the 80s with Keanu Reeves that is just like haunting and uh, just, I love that movie, Um, but it's it's really disturbing. <laughs> um, but he's supposed to be in it. Jorge Garcia, who played Hurley from Lost, a TV show I have never seen. That is uh, awesome news, and he's rad. Cool. All right. Well, he's supposed to be in it. And also Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, all supposed to be on board to be in the new film. So Fuck yeah. What roles they may play, if they are in it, I don't know. But Well, so here's what I have to say about this. As for Sherry Moon Zombie's casting, no, it's not surprising. I mean, she is his wife, whatever. But I think it's exciting because, I'm sorry, I freaking love her. And I think she's so underrated as an actress. Um, Primarily, probably because, you know, she's Rob Zombie's wife, does a lot of his movies, whatever. But she's really fucking great. So I'm really excited to see her in this or in anything, really. Totally. Also, as I sort of mentioned a second ago, I love me some Jorge Garcia and I'm psyched to see him again. Hurley was hands down one of the best things about Lost, period. But then Elvira, are you serious? Fuck yeah. I mean, even if this turns out to be a total dumpster fire, which I, again, I may not particularly care for some of Zombies films, but I don't think he's really ever made like a total failure film (laughs) or anything that made me go, wow, that was pure shit. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) So I just, I I think that whatever happens, the the dude's going to bring his skills to this project. And he, it's clear that he's up on his 60s, 70s television and film horror trivia and knowledge. So 
yeah, dude, he knows his shit. And I respect the hell out of the fact that he creates art that is uniquely his own vision and doesn't give two shits about whether it's what Hollywood wants or needs. So I say sign me up regardless. I'm in. We're going to go see it when it comes out in the theater. Yes. Um, whenever that is. <laughs> Someday. Is, it's still very, very far in the pre-production stages. Um, but this is actually not the first Munsters movie, by the way. Uh, there is Munsters Go Home. That was from 1966. It was shot in color. And it has the complete original cast, except for Marilyn Munster. Oddly, I feel like I remember hearing about that movie or catching a part of it on television or something. But... Weird. Okay, anyway, sorry. Then there's The Monster's Revenge from 1981, also in color. It's the original cast, except for Marilyn and Eddie this time, because I think (laughs) Eddie was a little too old to be playing a child. Um, There's a TV movie called Here Come the Monsters from 1995, starring Edward Herman, who you all know is Max from The Lost Boys. He played Herman Munster in Christine Taylor... Ben Stiller's wife, uh, she played Marilyn. Never heard of this movie. Did not know it existed. Um, there is a cameo scene in this, apparently, with the entire original cast, except for Fred Gwynn, because he passed away in 93. There is another TV movie, <laughs> which sounds horrifying. It's called The Munster's Scary Little Christmas from 96 with an entirely new cast. Yeah. Um, Horrifying and not in uh, a scary way, like the way we talk (laughs) about stuff on this podcast or B, even in a way that we'd want to do like a lifetime movie review of it. I think that sounds horrible. It's it sounds absolutely dreadful. Um, Finally, we have the Wayans Brothers Munsters movie. Uh, What? Yeah. Yeah, heard that right. Um, except, unfortunately, this one never got made. Um, I would love <laughs> to see what they would have done. But apparently in August of 2004, the brothers Keenan, Sean, and Marlon negotiated a deal with Universal Pictures to produce a contemporary film adaptation of The Munsters. And then in September... Of 2006, Sean Wayans revealed that the Munsters would be produced and written by the brothers and that it was slated for a 2007 release starring Rose McGowan as Marilyn Munster. Then in November of 2008, Sean Wayans announced that the movie was almost ready to be shot upon completion of his film Dance Flick, which he was producing at the time. The movie has yet to materialize and at this point, it never will. Right, um, yeah. The belief being that Brian Fuller, <gasps> who is the creator of the show Hannibal. And Pushing Daisies. And Pushing Daisies. And American uh, Gods. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All that. I'm a fan, in case you can't tell. <laughs> He's great. I've only seen Hannibal, but Hannibal's amazing. Um, but yeah, he developed a television adaptation called Mockingbird <gasps> Lane, and that somehow scuttled production of the Wayans film, What is Mockingbird Lane? Uh, Besides being a reference to the Munsters family address, 1313 Mockingbird Lane, it's a 40-minute pilot from 2012 that was never picked up as a series, which starred Jerry O'Connell and Portia de Rossi as Herman and Lee Munster, and Eddie Izzard as Grandpa. Yes. What What the fuck? Why Uh, have we not 
seen or watched this. I did. Or heard of it. Yeah, I have heard of this, actually. Oh, you I, have? I, I have. I've completely, completely forgot about it until just <laughs> now because for obvious reasons. But yeah, I remember hearing about it coming into production, seeing the cast, and again, being like, fuck yes. And then it just fell off the radar. Yeah, that's because it didn't get picked up. So, well, well, right. But maybe we can find it because I would absolutely watch that pilot for sure. Yeah, I read reviews of the pilot on IMDb, which normally, I mean, people hate everything on IMDb, but like it got really good reviews just for that one episode. So, um, but last year, a whole new generation of people became familiar with the Munsters. After the murder of George Floyd, amidst all the protests, marches, and people coming together to speak out against racism and inequality, there was a quote from Herman Munster that surfaced and went viral. In the clip, Herman is trying to teach his son, Eddie, a vital lesson in self-worth and acceptance of others and says, quote, The lesson I want you to learn is that it doesn't matter what you look like. You could be tall or short or fat or thin or ugly or handsome like your father, mm-hmm. or you can be black or yellow or white. It doesn't matter. But what does matter is the size of your heart and the strength of your character. Ugh. So, yeah, I hope, if anything, that Rob Zombie keeps some of the the heart of the monsters in his film. Yeah. Um, because there, there was a real sweetness to them. So I, I, I would be pretty disappointed if he completely took that out of the film. Um, but whenever it gets here, the Monsters reboot is believed to be released simultaneously in theaters and on the streaming platform Peacock. And I think currently you can watch every episode of the television series on Peacock now. So Ooh. that is all my Monsters news. So you could do, there's Monsters homework for everybody. You guys can get caught up if you haven't seen the original series and watch it wherever it's streaming. I plan on getting uh, reacquainted with the show because it has been a long time since I've watched it. Uh, I don't think I've watched it since I was like a kid, maybe a little bit as a teen, but yeah, too long. Uh, That quote though, I could hear and like see Fred Gwynn's face like in the makeup, like having, saying that that speech that's just beautiful uh okay well you have uh some flanagan news for us i do i do so about a week ago i started reading the book revival by stephen king um i initially started because a friend who's a huge stephen king fan was like losing his shit and literally told me that this is perhaps king's scariest book apparently due to some killer ending which I've stayed ignorant of so far though that pun was intended the killer pun (laughs) Uh, more importantly though I wanted to be prepared for when Mike Flanagan's film adaptation came out as we'd reported sometime back that revival would be the latest novel of King's that our Flan man would bring to the big screen well apparently this news came out in freaking January So, again, I'm late to the party on this, but I'm really sad to report that Flanagan won't be reviving the novel for the screen anytime soon. Told you. I missed that news, too, so don't feel bad. (laughs) Okay. And I just wanted to say, we already told you we love wordplay, so you have to deal with my jokes and my puns, people. Anyway. 
Flanagan uh, confirmed this disappointing news himself back on January 4th of this year via Twitter uh, when responding to a fan asking for an update on the project. Flanagan's tweet responded, the film was no longer happening, saying, quote, that project won't be moving forward, unfortunately. While Revival and Midnight Mass both involve priests, Midnight Mass was conceived several years before Revival was published, and similarities stop at the white collar. Really wish I could have done them both, end quote, or end tweet, I guess. Uh, for anyone who may have forgotten, Midnight Mass is Flanagan's next Netflix series, that's a mouthful, which is completed, though a release date has yet to be announced, and I looked, trust me. Um, according to Collider.com, Flanagan isn't the first and probably won't be the last to attempt a film adaptation of Revival. Uh, in 2016, director Josh Boone, who did The New Mutants, which I've not seen, um, he was attached to adapt Revival and even completed his own draft of the screenplay with Russell Crowe set to star. Um, Boone ended up switching focus abandoned revival a book that was not yet adapted for film or television mind you to instead develop the latest miniseries remake of Stephen King's The Stand which you can stream apparently on CBS All Access if that's your thing uh, I'm guessing The Stand gig paid better than revival but uh, did we really need another miniseries of The Stand that's rhetorical. I've never read that book and only saw the Molly Ringwald, Gary Sinise version from like 1994. So whatever. But um, when I wrote these notes, I was just starting Revival. I am. Th that was like this week. So maybe what, three, four days ago. I'm over halfway done with it now. Um, but I think I can now safely say that Russell Crowe would would have been a dumpster fire casting choice for the role of the priest in that book. I'll report back when I finish the novel, though. Um, anyway, after uh, in 2006, after Josh Boone pieced out on his attempt to make revival into a film, Flanagan took a stab at writing a screenplay in 2020. And that screenplay was actually approved by Stephen King himself. Because of course it was. They're BFFs and Mike Flanagan knows his shit. Anyway, what the fuck happened? You might be asking. I am furiously asking that question. Uh, it's the usual answer. Cash money, baby. Revival apparently would have been a costly project specifically for the special effects budget. Or so says ScreenRant.com. Why it would be so expensive. Again, I'm trying to stay spoiler-free as I read the book. Uh, I'll report back from the mental institution where I'll probably end up after finishing Revival's mindfuck of an ending from what everyone tells me. But even being, you know, where I am in the book, I can definitely see that this could very much be another Doctor Sleep scale production. Um, so I guess money issues... I understand, but Flanagan's success, I feel like, is a good insurance policy. Whatever. I'm not the producer. So that's a bummer. Um, it was clear to me, literally, after reading the first few sentences of Revival, that Flanagan would make a killer movie version of this book. 
So here's the deal. Uh, we, Spencer Sheridan, and I live in the state of Illinois, and the Illinois Lottery is entering all residents vaccinated before July 1st, 2021, into a three or four part drawing for big bucks. So Sharon, you've got luck getting concert tickets, uh, festival of disruption tickets, whatever. Get that winning karma going, win the lotto, and then maybe we can fund Mike Flanagan's version. No, he makes way more money than me. I'm keeping that money (laughs) if I win and sharing it with my friends and family and then buying a house and adopting rescue dogs. Well, okay, but if you get like, I don't know how many millions they said they were going to award each person, but you could. No, it's one million. That's barely going to get me. (laughs) Fine, fine. It's not going to get me far. Whatever. If I have to share it. Well, in any case, if I happen to win like the other, like the main Illinois lottery where they give you like millions upon millions, uh, I'll I'll shoot some to the flan man. All right. Well, uh, yeah, if you win like the mega millions and you win like four hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's fine. I'll allow it. <laughs> Sharon will allow you to spend your money in different ways. Mindy's not great at managing money, but I'll allow it if she wins $400 million. Well, because then I'd have enough that I wouldn't have to fucking worry about it. So Exactly. In any case, I'm bummed to hear that this isn't happening, obviously. But uh, the, the rumors are true. Revival's damn good. So Maybe one day. Yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day. All right. Well, (laughs) so um, for all of you who listen to our trivia episodes, you'll know that Mindy and I aren't great at trivia, but I've still beaten her seven out of seven games. Mm. Pat myself on the back right now. You're you're so the worst. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for our 100th episode, we did another trivia episode, and if you don't know, I'm super competitive at everything I do, and I take trivia very seriously. Spencer asked us this following question, what film features the tagline, by sword, by pick, by axe, bye bye, and the options were... I think you have to say it, bye bye (laughs) The options were... Victim, Shriek of the Mutilated, Martyrs, and The Mutilator. So even though I've seen The Mutilator twice, I did not get the answer right. I was like, it's not The Mutilator. I know that for sure um, because I've seen it and there's no damn sword in the movie. I think I answered with Shriek of the Mutilated. But Spencer was like, why would you think it was not The Mutilator? And as I said, it's because there was no sword in the movie. So after trivia, I went and looked up a list of all the kills in the mutilator, which include the following. Spoiler. Spoiler. (laughs) I mean, it came out in the 80s, so whatever. Also, it doesn't matter because the movie is just ridiculous and you should just watch it no matter what. (laughs) Also, wow, Sharon. Okay, go ahead. Hey. I'm very competitive. I know. And also, know. also, I'm saving a little bit of face here because we are so bad at trivia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you. I hear you on this one, though. This is a weird one. There, there's sometimes reasons why we get questions wrong, um, <laughs> other than our just total lack of horror knowledge. Or too much um, beer. Or that. Um, so 
The mother gets shot in the back with a shotgun. Linda is drowned in a pool. Mike is gutted with an outboard motor. The cop is decapitated with an axe. Sweet. Ralph gets a pitchfork through the throat. Sue gets a hook in the groin and then gets decapitated with an axe. She really gets fucked up. Yeah, dude. Wow. Then the deputy at the wall gets his legs cut off with an axe. And then Ed, the mutilator himself, gets cut in half with a car. So not only is there no sword, but there is no pick either. So that is a bullshit question. And I know I won trivia, but I want to win more. (laughs) So I'm going to say add my 10 points. Wait. Spencer. It's not so much of a bullshit question. It's more of a bullshit uh, tagline. (laughs) Well, okay. That's true. But it shouldn't even be a question. I mean, it, it, the whole thing was like, I think it, we should have just thrown it out. Okay. Well, uh, speaking of trivia, <laughs> moving right along, <laughs> speaking of trivia, I am not as competitive. Speaking as of trivia and how bad we are at it. I just like to have fun and giggles, but, uh, while I own Ringu, which is the original Japanese film version of the ring, I'll admit that it's been a minute since I've really sat down to watch it. I'm more into funny answers and silliness than competition when it comes to trivia, clearly. But I was a little bit what the fuck with that question asking how Sadako's mom died. I, the answer was that she threw herself into a volcano and Sharon and I both were like, ah, oh, no way. All right. After rewatching the movie... I can confirm that that question was not bullshit, actually. It was a correct answer. So, Spencer, you didn't fuck that one up. We're going to give you that one. I didn't write the question anyway. I know. (laughs) I know. But I wanted to give you a little bit of a reprieve because I knew Sharon was coming at you. I was Um, really nervous, actually. (laughs) uh, However, however, uh, Sadako's mom's death isn't shown or hinted at in the cursed video like it is in The Ring, the American remake. While researching the video in the film Ringu, the two main characters learn that Sadako's mom actually was psychic herself and was put on display for the press by her doctor. Eventually, the poor lady went insane, particularly after a reporter called her a fraud and her sweet young daughter Sadako killed him with her brain um, after predicting the eruption of a nearby volcano on Oshima Island Sadako's mom proceeded to leap into said volcano the day it erupted committing suicide besides the fact that words are hard especially when a movie is in another language and you have to read subtitles ugh In the American version, we do actually see the mom leaping from what appears to be a cliff, but it's been even longer since I've seen the the remake, so I don't remember if any further detail is given. After all, the remake is more show, not tell, because it's made for us dumb yanks. Uh, That was all snark, by the way. I actually think the American remake, at least the first film, was pretty damn good. Anyway, point is... You win this round, Spencer, because yes, that was correct, but we will have other rounds and hopefully I'll do better if Sharon doesn't kill you first over your question choices. (laughs) So you got that one. 
Yeah. And for those of you who have not listened to our trivia episode, uh, go back and listen to it. Um, and go back and listen to all of our trivia episodes because they're they're very fun. Maybe we should um, <laughs> rename trivia, Are You Smarter Than a Podcast Host? <gasps> I like that. Have people play along at home. Uh-huh. I like that. So, all right, Sharon, have you been watching anything good lately? I've been watching a lot of good stuff. Um, we finished, Spencer and I, this season of Handmaid's Tale, which I was actually not a huge fan of this season. Um, but the ending of the very last episode was so badass. And it was not what I was expecting at all. But I do have to say I'm so over Elizabeth Moss, her character June. I'm just like, all right, we we just need to wrap this show up. I actually thought we were supposed to end it now. Um, I thought this was the last season, but there's still more episodes to come, which I don't know if they're doing one of those things where they're like splitting up the last season into like two parts. So there's going to be a small hiatus and then they're going to have the rest of the last season. Uh, but yeah, the show just needs to be done and over. I so. honestly thought this was going to be a mini series. I, I didn't. And I know that Margaret Atwood has written a sequel book, which I've not read. And I'm not sure that I ever will. But because um, I am a fan of the the book, but I, I just was I'm too horrified to watch the show for a number of reasons. And I know everyone says it's so good and blah, 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 blah. But I, I, I won't be touching this one. So that yeah. sucks, though, because I know you liked it. That sucks that it was a letdown, but. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I do have her second book. I think it's called Testament. Um, I have not yeah. started to read it yet. Okay. But I'm hoping that it'll answer some of the questions that the TV show just... The TV show has a really difficult time of, I think, explaining what exactly is going on. There's so oh. much ambiguity with some of the characters and also the motivations of the characters that I find that throughout every season I'm like constantly like pausing and Spencer and I are having like conversations like wait what what is going on here like (laughs) this makes no sense why haven't they explained this did they explain this do we miss something you know and like um Bradley Whit what's his name Whitford no Bradley Whitford yeah (laughs) Bradley Whitford he's in it and I love his character but also cannot figure out his character there is some things he did in this new season that go completely against everything he's done in the previous seasons and I'm just like so confused by it and they don't explain it well and all right I'm gonna read the book and hopefully it'll answer some of the questions but there's like this huge cliffhanger now and I'm like, Oh, I just want this show to be over. So hopefully I don't have to wait too long till the final episodes. You know, I wonder if when Margaret Atwood wrote the handmaid's tale originally, if she did have a larger story in mind, because I was kind of surprised to find, well, I guess not surprised to find out that she was working on the show, but people that I know who have read the book, um, at first, I should say, before watching the show, have not liked the show. Um, mm. And 
without even watching the show, I know that it goes way beyond where the book ends. Yes. Um, so it's just, I'm wondering if this was something that Margaret Atwood like always had in mind and is now finally able to flesh out or if she's kind of making it like writing it as she goes because yeah, I just, I'm a little confused about the longevity of it. It just doesn't seem like it would be a show that would have as many seasons as it already does. I, whatever. I, but. Oh, yeah. They could have ended it a long time ago. They, they, <laughs> it's gone on way longer than it needs to, for sure. So. Okay. All right. Well, good to know. Thank you. Maybe one day I'll like watch the first episode or something, but I just don't think I'll have the stomach for it. Uh, yeah. It, it's, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on to something a little more lighthearted than Handmaid's Tale. I did watch Spiral from the Book of Saw. <laughs> I actually streamed it. Um, we didn't go to the theater and watch it, which is fine. Um, I don't really understand why so many people dislike this movie because I thought it was a lot of fun and Spencer liked it too, but it had an amazing opener um, it was basically like a part Chris Rock stand up. There was this bit in the beginning about Forrest Gump that literally made me laugh out loud. Um, that was like all just like Chris Rock. It was seriously like watching him perform stand up while investigating a crime scene. Um, and then also there was a lot of great one liners by him. It had some cool traps and like some pretty gory moments but then it was also you know like a crime uh drama mixed in as well so yeah I don't know I mean it didn't have Jigsaw but I'm not super married to the Saw series you know I've seen the first one I've seen Jigsaw uh this movie definitely had some flaws but what Saw movie doesn't yeah so I think it's fun. I just want to point out that I think it's hilarious that uh, after talking about The Handmaid's Tale, you're like, let's lighten things up to talk about Saw. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I was just going to say that uh, I... Because, of course, I, I too, um, I will, I'll see it before the year's out, for sure. Um, and I'm trying to stay away from spoilers. But um, I just happened to notice on Rotten Tomatoes that a lot of critics just straight up said that they thought it was, like, shitty writing and just not a good movie. Well, it is what it is. I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I, I didn't expect it to be... Um, who I was talking... Oh, Spencer and I were at a, a 40th birthday party yesterday, And we were talking to the birthday boy who um, happens to love horror. And he said that it reminded him of Seven, but with like, obviously not as good, but you know, Seven with like Chris Rock. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that's actually a pretty accurate description. You know, like Seven is a way better movie, but I wasn't going into spiral expecting it to be like as good as seven or uh like a silence of the lambs type you know uh psychological thriller crime story like it's a saw movie yeah written by chris rock it's going to be funny it's going to be gory and it succeeded (laughs) i'm also looking at sharon's handwritten notes and i'm like what are all these loops she makes the biggest loops on her G's and Y's. There's like all these loops all over the place. <laughs> Especially, look at this, look at all. Anyway. 
Well, Mindy, it's your turn. She gives me shit about my handwriting because it's, I mean, I'm left-handed and my handwriting's gotten worse over the years. So I'm lucky if I can even read my own handwriting. But um, yeah, I'll check it out eventually. But yeah, I, I kind of... I didn't like I said I didn't read anybody's review too much to avoid spoilers, but I kind of was thinking that too. Like, I mean, were you expecting Citizen Kane? I don't quite get like you know why people were like it's just poorly written and poorly done and blah, blah, blah. and it wasn't like anything political or anything like that. It was just like it's a shitty movie, and I'm like, but it's saw like yeah. So I hear you. Well, actually, in somewhat lighter news. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure by now many of you have probably already watched the latest installment of The Conjuring. I didn't want to, but the devil made me do it, as I call the movie, because how can you not? And uh, if you're not old like me, I've got you covered in the show notes for this episode with a link to explain that phrase I just said. Anyway, no spoilers for Conjuring 3, people, but the movie's streaming now on HBO Max. James Wan did actually co-write and co-produce this one because that man never sleeps. Um, I want to say this wasn't my favorite installment, but then again, my expectations weren't super high. The film is set in 1980 and covers the exorcism case of the Glatzel family and eventually Arnie Johnson and is, of course, based on the Warrens files and the Glatzel family themselves, which, hold on to that thought, we'll come back to that. But first, I just want to send a special message out to James Wan. James, sweetie. It's cute, but you don't need to play hard to get. Clearly, <laughs> you or your team listen to our show. So get in touch, man. We'd welcome you with open arms as a guest on this show. But we're thrilled you enjoyed our Warren casting jokes. I say that because this movie, like I said, set in 1980, depicts Ed and Lorraine as being a little older than we've seen them thus far on screen. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga were noticeably styled to look much more like the actual Warrens compared to the previous Conjuring films. Uh, Vera is sporting Lorraine's signature updo for a majority of the movie. And Patrick Wilson has been given like a noticeable paunch and is moving a little bit slower than we've seen before. Uh, Does it make either actor any less attractive? Not in the slightest. And it's probably because the production team heard our show and thought, you know what? These actors are too pretty and don't look like the real deal. Two wardrobe. (laughs) Only one large logical explanation here. I'm sorry, Sharon, your jokes are going to change the world. That, 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 that's for me, that's the, the moral of conjuring three. The Uh, joke you're referring to is something I brought up in a previous episode way back. A few times though. For people who have no idea what you're talking about right now. Um, Fun fact, while watching the movie, I believe I texted Sharon something to the effect of Paunchy Patrick Wilson can still get it. Or at least that was Paunchy Patrick Wilson in a wheelchair. (laughs) Yeah, to be fair. A lot of the film or walking with like a cane. He can still get it. I stand by that. (laughs) Uh, Regardless of whether or not you've seen the movie... Discovery Plus just released a new shock doc, The Devil Made Me Do It, which I'll be honest, 
I watched while still recovering from sleep deprivation after binging behind her eyes all in one night. Um, but they do interview the surviving members of the Glatzel family. To be fair, those that are no longer with us passed of natural causes, not possession, for those of you wondering. Um, and they also do show in an interview Arnie Johnson himself, the man at the center of this story. There's also audio recordings of the, quote, demon that haunted this family. And Lorraine Warren herself is featured prominently. Um, Ed had passed, sadly, but uh, before this documentary was made. I'm totally going to rewatch after like five more naps. But it's definitely, I'd say that the, the documentary is definitely worth a look-see. Um, also, Patrick- I'm going to watch this. Sorry, I just wanted to. Yeah, no. I'm going to watch this tonight because I'm super excited. I also thought Conjuring 3 was the weakest of the three films. I think pretty much everyone who has seen it has thought that. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to watch this because I've heard really good things about this documentary. Well, and oddly... The Devil Made Me Do It is actually, I think, the most, of the Conjuring films, the one that is really the most accurate to true events, from what I can tell, which I also, hmm. also thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, you'll like the doc. I'm going to rewatch it for sure. Um, and since we're sending messages out, Sharon and I would just like to say to Patrick Wilson, Oh, boy, I love you so. Never, ever, ever going to let you go. I'll let you... Uh, Fill in the rest in your heads, everybody. You don't have to I listen have to me sing. I problems with this. Uh, and again, if you I don't didn't say it, if you didn't know what the fuck I'm talking about, you need to educate yourself by checking a link in the show notes. Uh, other things I've been watching, I finally watched Willy's Wonderland with Nick Cage, and oh my god, it more than met any expectation I had. And I had very few expectations. I mean, obviously, <laughs> Citizen Kane, it sure ain't. But it is a silent yet unhinged Nick Cage brutally taking out some of the creepiest animatronics I've ever seen, which isn't a spoiler, by the way. Uh, it's dumb fun. And I watched it after a really hard day at work and was not disappointed. So highly, highly recommend that one. It is so, so worth it. All right. And finally, on what we've been watching, a few months back, we got a show topic suggestion from one of our listeners about the Netflix series Behind Her Eyes. Uh, Sharon at the time had seen it and I had not, uh, but not anymore. Um, As sort of hinted at earlier, I am literally still recovering from loss of sleep because I binged the series in one night. It's only six episodes, but I started the first one around maybe like 9.30 p.m. thinking, and we've all done it, oh, I'll just watch the first episode and then go to bed, which we all know is Netflix speak for, well, glad I have David Lynch coffee in the house because I I got to see what happens next. And this all nighter is going to hurt like a bitch tomorrow. <laughs> I did the same thing when I watched it, but I think I started around 4 or 5 p.m. <laughs> a much more reasonable time. Um, yeah, but I texted Mindy around 930 when I was actually going to bed and said, you're not going to stop until you finish it. Trust me. And I honestly was like half joking, but I was also kind of expecting that that might happen so wow I was right um that must have hurt the next day because you were probably up until about 5 a.m 
Um, but I do want to thank Selena who reached out to us on Instagram with the topic suggestion. I've been working on getting Mindy to watch this for months. Um, so now we are going to have a very brief spoiler free discussion on behind her eyes. And then for Selena and all the other fans of behind her eyes who have watched it, please go over to our Patreon page and you will be able to listen to a much longer, no holding back, spoilers abound, full discussion of the show. But I do not want to ruin the show for anyone who has not seen it because it's so well done and it's honestly one of the few shows where I did not see the ending coming at all and I want other people to experience that oh fuck moment or as I think Spencer said, Oh shit. What the fuck? Uh. <laughs> um so yeah. So Mindy, let's since I've been waiting to hear what you want to say about this show, um since you finished it, you've been very good and not like let me know at all what your thoughts are. Right? You start off. Yeah. Okay. So for anyone who may not be aware, Behind Her Eyes is a Netflix miniseries based on the 2016 novel of the same name by Sarah Penborough. And the basic premise, which thanks IMDb, is this. A single mother enters a world of twisted mind games when she begins an affair with her psychiatrist boss while secretly befriending his mysterious wife. The series was released on Netflix in February of 2021 this year. Um, before we get into this brief discussion, I too want to just thank Selena for recommending this one and sort of forcing my hand to get to it. Um, it had been in my list, but I just never watched it. And it clearly hooked me. Um, I thought it was production-wise fantastically done particularly the casting which is important since it's pretty much just these three characters throughout and their chemistry carries the whole story uh, I love me a good soundtrack as well and this series has a pretty fantastic one including a song from one of my favorite Kate Nash albums yay that said the show's definitely flawed particularly in its final moments and it's it's certainly derivative. No spoilers, again, as we said, but I did feel like the ending was kind of a mashup of tropes that we've been seeing in horror and sci-fi, both on television and on film, over the past, like, 10 years or so. That said, it's it's clearly compelling enough that I'm still sleep-deprived from my binge fest. Um, so it's only six episodes long, honestly, if you're interested, give it a go, judge for yourself, and then email us at 4 a.m. with your thoughts. <laughs> We're going to get into the ending in our um, spoiler-filled discussion that will be available on our Patreon, and it will not be a Patreon exclusive. Everyone will be able to access it. Um, I just want people to choose to access it instead of, you know, getting spoilers right here and now because um, we still have a few more things to talk about. Um, but yeah, so I honestly haven't really seen anything that did what the ending of this show did. So you'll have to kind of fill me in on what other tropes um, this show stole ideas from. Um, we'll talk about that, as I said, in the episode 
on our Patreon. All right. But finally, before we go, I do have some quick exciting news about the TV show Wellington Paranormal. And this comes from HorrorNews.net. The hit comedy show from Jemaine Clement and Taika Waititi, Wellington Paranormal is coming to Blu-ray and DVD and to download to own finally um, because this show is so hard to find and if you are able to find it it is horrible horrible quality (laughs) and maybe backwards and also yes when we watched it we watched a few episodes and everything was backwards so like it was like you were watching it in a mirror (laughs) so like all like the um all the words on the screen were all written backwards it was just really annoying and it was Good despite that, but I was like, I think we can't watch this anymore because it's kind of taking me out of the moment and ruining the show. So I'm definitely going to be either buying the Blu-ray or downloading it somewhere to own yeah. so I can binge it. Oh, um, the days of Napster and LimeWire and BitTorrent <laughs> downloads. Remember those days when you could download shit from overseas? Anyway. No, because that's illegal, Mindy. I um, mean, what? Yeah, I never did that. Jemaine Clement and Taika Waititi are also the creators of What We Do in the Shadows. So if you like that show, I think you'll really love Wellington Paranormal. It's kind of a combination of What We Do in the Shadows and that type of humor mixed with Reno 911. Nice. And from what I've seen of it, as shitty as it looked, it was really funny. Um, The first season is going to be available to own on July 5th. Season two will be available September 6th, season three on October 11th, and the fourth season has recently begun filming, but it will also be available to own. Ooh. A little bit about the show, the premise, it follows a couple of hapless police officers from Wellington, New Zealand, Mark Minogue and Karen O'Leary as they are assigned to the new paranormal unit of Wellington's police force tasked with tackling the increasing number of local crimes and misdemeanors of a supernatural nature. Um, It's awesome. I can't wait to watch it in high quality. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, In the right, in the right, direction like in the right perspective <laughs> not yes, backwards yes yes I did not know they were still filming it that's awesome that it's still running basically yeah I didn't know that either until I found this article um so that is going to do it for this episode uh before we sign off we want to give a shout out to our newest patrons uh first we have Jason Jason thank you so much for supporting our show if anyone wants to support Jason they can subscribe to his YouTube channel the J man's movie cave we've actually been guests on one of his shows uh it was on about a month or so ago where Mindy and I were talking about 80s horror movies with him and we are also going to be presenting on an upcoming episode of his where he's going to be hosting a Friday the 13th movie award show. Mindy and I are going to be presenting the best Friday the 13th movie award. Um, So Jason, thank you again. Also, we want to give a shout out to David Levine. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Um, And it's not Levine, but if it is, I'll say it both ways. (laughs) There you go. Your your bases are covered. (laughs) 
David Levine, Levine, apologies if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, um, but thank you so much as well. We appreciate your support. You know, it means the world to us that you guys are supporting us and we want to thank all of our patrons. Well, and really quick, uh, David, just FYI, I when I emailed you this morning, I did that just off the top of my head to say thank you. Sharon, you kind of almost word for word said what I said in my email about being grateful about for support and to hear that other people are listening and enjoying what we do. So that wasn't a canned message, David. We're really genuinely grateful. (laughs) And thank everyone else for listening to us. If you want us to read your ghost stories on our show, you can write to us at horrorstalkhorror at gmail.com. Yeah, share your ghost stories, your true crime stories, any sort of creepy stories that you have that one time you may have been cursed, uh, whatever you want us <laughs> to read on your show, on our show, or your show. If you want us to be guests on your show, we will come on your show too. We're Yeah, we're masters of all trades. Uh, please do. <laughs> Especially su- talking. Right. Yeah, we're good. at We talk good. Um, please do subscribe to us and rate and review us as it helps us get more exposure. If you are able to, please join our aforementioned Patreon where you can get early access to episodes, see exclusive posts, and maybe get some cool shit sent to you in the mail. Um, Happy Pride Month, everybody, for June. Please be safe, be kind to each other, and as always... Thanks for getting creepy with us. Sharon, you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.